to Welcome to What the Truck Duner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, it's a hey. beautiful, beautiful afternoon here in uh, the heart of uh, Freight Alley, downtown Chattanooga. Yeah. How you doing, my brother? Well, it's gobble gobble. This is our this is our episode it before is. Thanksgiving. Gobble, Although gobble. we will we will be on here on Friday. I know a lot of you aren't going away for Thanksgiving. We're not either. So we'll be here for a special Black Friday edition of What the Truck. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the retail side of the uh, this holiday season. Today, we're going to talk yeah. a little bit more about the freight side. It's going to be a good show. And you know what? It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, man. It especially yeah, Especially at the Dooner House. Oh, yeah? Fired up, uh, we fired up Home Alone. Yeah. We fired up Elf. And we fired up Jingle all the way over the weekend. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So we, we've been uh, Santa Claus 2 and uh, Home Alone. Ooh. And then uh, Christmas with the Cranks. All right. Well, I'll give, I'll give right? you. I'll give you my top ten. Okay. Top ten. All right, number ten. The okay. Grinch, 2018. Heavily influenced by my kids. They watch it all the time. All right. I, I I can't disagree. It's a good one. Number nine. Christmas Vacation. Oh, always a classic. Number eight. Could be controversial. A Nightmare Before Christmas. No. Some may consider this Halloween movie. Solid. Solid. Six. Jing. Oh no. Sorry. Seven. A Christmas Story. Solid, always right? love it. I love it. Six, Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's Jingle All the Way, too. So whenever, like, I'm in a parking garage or someone and I, like, yeah. I don't want people to bother me, so I'm pretending I'm on the phone, that will be my fake conversation. Like, I'll be like, put that cookie down now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I got number five, Santa Claus coming to town. I love the stop motion. Okay. Yep. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, number four. Oh, absolutely awesome. Gremlins, number three. Mm-hmm. Elf, number mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. instant classic, and obviously number one's got to be Home Alone. Not that, that's that movie's one hundred percent A plus. Oh Not yeah, it, it absolutely is. But I mean, this is heavily influenced by uh, a kid perspective. Yeah, it I is. mean, I don't see Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or It's a Wonderful Life or anything like that. I didn't really grow up with those, so didn't go, okay. no, right. I didn't really pick them up. I mean, for the non-family ones, like Bad Santa is good. I like yeah. Die Hard. Oh, uh, Die Hard. Yeah, uh, Krampus is actually pretty good. It's a horror movie that came out a couple years ago. And Santa Sleigh, <laughs> Santa Sleigh with Goldberg, pretty good. As well. <laughs> hey, you know what? Right before we get into, uh, oh. we'll tip the band, we'll get into the news, but we've mentioned it like a billion times on here. It's Swinghenge. Oh. We finally have a picture of it. Describe this thing to us. What did you build? What is this uh, monstrosity? <laughs> All right. So, yeah. <laughs> Wanted a good swing set for my kids and just grew out of nowhere. It's a, it's a hexagon. It's a, it's, it's six 12 foot, six by six sunk uh, three feet into the ground and then six 10 foot, six by sixes. Uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. 1,200 pounds of concrete. Wow. So I'm going to ask you a question. That looks yeah. like there's a fire pit in there the is. middle of it. There uh, is a fire pit in the middle of it, and you can have a nice fire going and, and swing at the same time. So but it, so your butt's not going to turn into a s'more. You're not, you don't no, go over or the your feet. Oh, wow. wow <laughs> i got to see Depending on which way you're looking. Because the perspective there looks like you'd be relatively close to it. Yeah, you've got to check it out. And I'll tell you what, see that double chair in the back? Yeah. That's from our friends over at Pollywood. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Maybe solid. we'll get them on the... Yeah. Get them on a holiday. Show. Recycled or reclaimed ocean plastic. Hey, well, hey, there's a bunch of people in the comments too. It's Rhonda. She says morning. Kevin says morning. John Barra, good morning, fellas. Gobble gobble here to start the day. It's Marilee Ellen Mondi. Chris Seed's a big diehard fan. Those of you, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Drop it in the comments. We'll see if Home Alone wins out. I think it will. I think it's got to be one or two. All right, Michael Vincent, on the yeah. road and off of it, the Axle Fuel Cards got your back. Get the credit you need to keep your fleet trucking, plus loyalty points and rewards are waiting at the next stop. Get approved at AxleFuelCard.com, subject to credit approval. And terms and conditions apply, so visit them directly after the show. Yeah. 
All right, a little reefer, a little reefer. Reefer capacity tapped out prior to this vaccine release. Another Monday, another yeah. talk about vaccine. I heard one of the universities, though, over the weekend. So not, right. not really a big enough story. They only had 70% efficacy on their, their vaccine. Oh, one of the universities? Yeah, they did. But, I mean, we got Pfizer, we got Moderna, so there's a few yeah, hats but see, in if the that ring. would have been the first one that came out, we'd have been like, yeah, because yeah. 70%, I th- weren't they looking for 45, 50 or something like that? Or yeah, but would you have, like, Pfizer and Moderna uh, one-upping each other with, like, 94%, one saying 95%? Yeah. It's a little different story. Yeah, it's a totally different story. Yeah, really. Well, you know, after At Home, we said, or after Cold Chain, we said, don't fear the reefer. Well, you may want to. Here's uh, here's some reefer prices. Here are the most expensive reefer lanes going mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. You got Elk Ridge, Maryland to Hartford, Connecticut, $5.20 a mile. Los wow. Angeles to Las Vegas, $4.99 a mile. Hard to keep cool when you're paying those prices. Jersey City to Winchester, Virginia, $4.99 a mile. Syracuse to Hartford, $4.92 a mile. And Packers to Colts, $4.92 a mile. Colts, yeah, it was a great game over the weekend, thought too. $4.92 was a bargain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. When everything's in perspective, it's sort of like how you mentioned the vaccine. Once you put it in perspective, that all changes. Well, Zach Strickland is going to give us some context to why. He reported over the weekend on his, uh, what is it, chart of the week. He said yeah. the national reefer industry slang is it's slang for temperature-controlled con- trailers, right? We're not mm-hmm. talking about um, the other reefer. Uh, so we have an index called the ROTRI, which looks at uh, tender rejections, right, for the reefer market. Right. They topped out at 48% for the first time since the index's creation this week. That means every other load is getting rejected just about. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for those of you who aren't familiar, it just means that a, a load uh, is electronically put up to be tendered. Yep. Carrier says no. Yeah, contracted carrier saying no. Yeah. Can't and, do they, and they say no because they can either get better rates, they just don't have the capacity to to fill it, but it's a good indicator of the health and strength of the market. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so then it, it waterfalls out, and then it hits the spot market, right? But reefer capacity, which tends to cost about 10% more per load on average, yeah. right, throughout it, you know, it... They were they track pretty well, but they've really become uh, divergent over the last few months. During but from May to August, you know they they kind of mirrored each other. But reefer rejection rates increased at a similar pace to dry van tender rejections, climbing an average of twenty nine basis points per day. Wow! And dry van twenty two. But things have changed a little bit, and it's pushed. You know that's pushed the spot rates up twenty percent. Now, this isn't a big, and this is what Zach highlights in here. He said it's not a big concern necessarily for vaccines. They're not all going to move in 53 foots, but here's the thing. It's going to impact other freight because vaccines are going to be prioritized. So if you're moving something like, I don't know, candy, which moves in a reefer, that might get booted for the vaccine. There's a lot of different commodities and items that could be impacted by this vaccine moving. So, and obviously, you know, for all for good reasons, but if you're in that industry, just be aware of what's coming. And we're hearing more about fast tracking this thing too. I mean, I think in England, they're even going to start this in December, the Pfizer one. So, oh, in England they are, in December. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they'll get to be the guinea pigs on this one, and, and we'll see how that goes uh, by the awesome. time it gets around to us. <laughs> yeah, I hope it goes well. I yeah. hope it goes awesome. Well, and, and that leads right into here. COVID-19 vaccine distribution could start in mid-December, official says. That's right. Nate Tabeck reports distribution of the first COVID-19 vaccine in the U.S. could begin as early as December 11th. The uh, lead advisor, Operation Warp Speed, said on Sunday, and he says that our plan is to be able to ship vaccines to the immunization sites within 24 hours uh, from the approval. So I would expect maybe on day two after approval on the 11th or the 12th of December, these things are just going to be moving. They, they are. Yeah. Uh, they, they are. So uh, who is it? Doctor, how do you say uh, Monsef Slawi? Something like that. Slawi? That's close enough. Com- so Slawi's comments came after Pfizer submitted an application to the Food and Drug Administration for emergency authorization to approve its uh, candidate vaccine, right? So within it could be within 24 hours. 
they're ready to go because that, that I would imagine they're going to fast track that that oh, yeah. uh, that application and an application from Moderna is expected to follow very very shortly as well so that's really good and operation warp speed the US government's coronavirus vaccine program they've been ramping up uh, preparations to distribute these doses across on Wednesday's officials said they expect about 40 million doses of vaccine could be available by the end of December. Now, that in in perfectly ideal conditions with zero spoilage because right. you have to take two doses. That would oh, treat the Pfizer one you got to take two. Uh, Moderna as well. Oh, you do? We did clarify that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's All two. Right. So this is, it could treat about 20 million people, but you got to factor in loss and everything. So maybe more like 18 million, 16 million, depending on bottlenecks and distribution and, and what happens. But still a decent start. Um, I don't know if I want the shot of my arm right out the bat, but, uh, you know, uh, God bless you people who are going to get it yeah. and find out for us. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get the chance to be first off the bat, no. right? I mean, it's going to be frontline medical workers, et cetera, right? Yeah. Yeah. And here's a here's a a Michigan. Fortunately, we haven't had to say too many of this this year, but Michigan carrier files for bankruptcy. That's right. This is on FreightWaves.com. But Todd Maiden reports that Michigan based DIS Transportation and affiliate company DIS Express have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy with the U.S. US Bankruptcy Court for the Western District of Michigan. Um, We have to get to our guests in just a second. But what I found interesting about this story online was that even though it's a great rate economy now, the. The, the pain from 2019 did too much damage. They were so yeah. far behind with their creditors that this company just could not uh, could not recover. And, you know, the owners tried to cut their salary and all and try to do liabilities. They tried to save the company. Unfortunately, leading into the holidays, they had to uh, they had to file for Chapter 11. Yeah, I think the great economy, uh, freight economy this this year just prolonged. Well, the inevitable is what it sounds like. They sure were already in some bad trouble, which unfortunate for them. Wish you could have saved them for sure. Let's talk to a Nick Ober. He's Vice President of Operations Freight Brokerage at XBO Logistics. He's uh, calling in out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and we'll, uh, we'll get some ideas on what they're doing with XBO Connect, how they're working with carriers, and a little insight into the peak season freight market. Nick, thank you very much for joining us on What the Truck. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, Dooner, I wanted to say thanks for sharing your personal story on uh, persistence. Got a chance to listen to that this morning, and it was, it was really inspirational, so I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, the, the TEDx. Yeah. That, um, for those of you who are interested in TEDx, look up uh, TEDx on YouTube, then Dooner. You'll, you'll find it. I'll put a link in the comments as well. But you are, uh, you've been with XBO Logistics, right, for two years as the Vice President of Operations in the Freight Brokerage Unit. Um, tell us a little bit about the role you do over there. Sure. So, you know, I'm excited to share the XBO story for sure and, and what, we, uh, what we build in brokerage operations. I joined XBO, as you mentioned, two years ago. And it's just, it's been a really fun ride. Uh, my main responsibilities are owning the, the carrier experience from onboarding, procurement operations, and then our various technology platforms to really generate capacity. Um, prior to XPO, I held roles in both pricing and operations. And I'm extremely passionate about pricing. We invest quite a bit into our technology for both biz and day-to-day transactions. But really, you know, we have the best people at XPO. They focus on delivering exceptional service to our customers. And I'd love to give a shout out to our freight brokerage team. Uh, you've all exceeded our expectations during this intense 2020. And then yeah. lastly, uh, I'd love to also thank our carriers for their efforts delivering essential goods to our communities. Yeah, amen to that. And carriers have really been critical for uh, making freight move in 2020. Thank them all for that. What are some of the things that you've learned, uh, you know, uh, learnings you've had on what uh, what makes the building a great carrier relationship? Sure. So first, you know, we want to make it easy for all carriers and drivers, small or large, to 
to be able to find the right options to grow their business, you know, they can access thousands of loads on our XPO Connect digital marketplace. Our carrier reps are laser focused on, on growing long-term relationships, and we communicate regularly with uh, carriers asking what they want, need, and, and use that feedback to, to really develop our strategy uh, for engagement going forward. We're hiring also within our carrier ops team because of growth, which is just awesome you know, during this time, as you guys uh, already talked about. We know we have a premium experience at XPO, and we place a huge emphasis on safety and vetting carriers to make sure that our customers are well taken care of. So we're committed to continuous improvement, and our customers see that every day. And last year, we revamped our carrier scoring metrics to provide visibility for things like on-time pickup, delivery, carry rate, and auto tracking all the way to completion. And along the way, we added some uh, pretty sweet rewards. You know, carriers can access their scores in real time on XPO Connect, and this visibility combined with the rewards has really helped drive some serious improvement over the last year. Our, care, our combined carrier score improved by over 500 basis points. And so, you know, really to me, that's how we differentiate ourselves, uh, a premium experience for our carriers and then ultimately to our customers. We've started to get we started to know XPO pretty well on the show. You've had a, a number of people come on talking about XPO Connect, but one of their quests I had was, could you talk about it from the carrier experience? We talked a little bit from the shipper experience, so fill in the blanks on what goes on in the carrier experience. Sure. So, from a carrier perspective, a manager or dispatcher can log into XPO Connect to find the right load to either buy it now or place a bid. They can manage and track individual trucks in their fleet, review the carrier score metrics, and redeem extra credits from our carrier rewards program. We are you know, really we're breaking records almost weekly on digital load assignments. Last week, you know, heading into Thanksgiving was was another banner week for us, um, and we've seen over 100% growth in carrier assignments through our platform in the last year. Expo Connect and the Drive XPO app are extremely intuitive, um, and we're increasing our available loads and at competitive prices. And one of the things I think by giving all of all parties, our employees, carriers, and our customers, uh, by giving them access to this great technology, we've made everyone more productive. And because of that, you know, we're adding new features uh, very regularly. Uh, one is the dedicated lane search, where a carrier can search for consistent freight. The dedicated lanes product continues to evolve and has already produced some big wins. And another uh, addition is our reload option. So essentially, we want to keep a driver busy for their entire week or more. And then once they book a load on XBO Connect, they can search to create continuous moves or, or really find a backhaul. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, drivers can use the app to share where they are in the process from loading to delivery and search for a load nearby to get where they want to go to next. Um, and lastly, I think this one's, this one's cool around the holidays is the get me home tool. Uh, so, you know, this helps reduce the driver's empty miles by locating loads on their way home. Wow. That's, that's a lot of stuff. It sounds like you really got the technology front covered for these carriers now and, and, you know, moving into the future. Can you give us a little bit more detail on the rewards program for the carriers that you mentioned? Absolutely. So in, in one year of, of having a rewards program, we've given away over 4,000 rewards credits to our top carriers. So we're, we're rewarding them with better rates. And, and going into 2021, we're going to make even more enhancements to the program. And I don't want to you know, give all the surprises away, but we are going to transition from an annual to a quarterly rewards program for our platinum, gold, and silver carriers. 
So the plan is, is really to drive up service and reward the best of the best. You know, another great reward that we offer is our additional fuel savings for those top companies and drivers over and above our already great discounts. Our XPO fuel program is a great way to get discounts at the pump and really to put some numbers to it. We help save our partner carriers over $16 million in the third quarter alone. So as you go up um, to silver, gold, and then platinum, your fuel savings you know, grow even further. So we continue to work on those additional value-add services that carriers want. Um, definitely look out for more rewards to be rolled in the upcoming years. And, and carriers love XPO. I mean, we want to continue to provide valuable incentives for um, their hard work and really the relationships. That's good stuff. Michael, I've been hanging out with you too long. That's your line. So it's peak <laughs> and coming up on Thanksgiving. We'd love to get some uh, quick market insight. What's uh, the current state of the market as you see it? Well, you guys touched on it a little bit before. I mean, October saw the peak season start early. Uh, retailers began pushing for that 75-day peak season, and it's been felt. You know, here we are now, and Black Friday is right around the corner. Uh, we keep our eyes on on the volume as well as the rejection indices, as, as you discussed before I got on, um, but also the available capacity out there. Uh, we're poised to deliver top-level service to our customers in Q4 um, during this tight market. And, you know, our technology enables us to find trucks. We have substantial capacity to offer, and, you know, our, our largest customers want access to that real-time pricing and capacity, and, and we have both with XPO Connect. Um, so during peak season, to me, it's, it's when we get to shine and really have some fun and deliver on those customer promises. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate your time. Anything else that you want to share? You know, just, just to hit it again, I'd love to thank our, our employees for working so tirelessly um, to serve our customers. And we faced a lot of adversity in 2020 and, and have come through it stronger and better for it. And then, uh, again, thanks to our carers who helped move the world forward. Uh, I'll put a plug out here if you're interested in, in learning more about being a platinum carrier with XPO or if you're ready to book some loads and, and get great rewards, go to uh, connect.xpo.com. And, guys, thanks again for having me, and have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, Nick, happy Thanksgiving to you and the XPO family. Thanks for sharing some time with us right before the holidays. Take it easy. See you, guys. You know thanks, what? Nick. I mean, look, we told you about that 75 peak season, like, Months ago. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. right. I mean, come on. Sonar's got the juice. It does. It does. We saw it coming. No, that's wrong. Sonar's got the sauce. Do you know what between the, the juice and the sauce? No, what's the difference? The juice is like a one-off. Like, you did a good dunk or something. But if you oh, okay. are, like, consistently, you know, bringing it home, tomahawk jam and bring it, you got the sauce. It's thicker. It sticks on you. It stays with you. Oh, okay. That's the sauce. That's the gravy. That's what sonar is, people. Okay. It's not the All juice. Right. It's the sauce that caramelizes. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the sauce. Yeah. Just like the onions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We got uh, we got Drew McElroy. He's the co-founder and chairman at Transfix on the line. He's going to give us some more insight into some of these holiday buying habits by consumers and how it's impacting freight. They got this great uh, white paper they just put out. Although, is it called a white paper if it's not white? It's like, it's more, what do you call it? I think it still is. All right. It's a PDF yeah. with good information in it is what I'll yeah. call it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Drew, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, firstly, it's digital, but the background is white, so I think that I think that still counts. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, I agree. I'm not going to squat. The only thing I say is like white paper, like just the branding on it sounds almost kind of boring. So I'm trying to just because I, I want to gussy it up a bit because it's actually really good. And I have ADD, so I usually can't make it through a white paper, but I made it through this one. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate that. How about how about a, a a a digital study, a digital affirmation of holiday trends in 2020? How about that? That sounds that sounds nice and exciting. No, it does, and it's going to be awesome. But before we get there, uh, what is Transfix, and why did you found the company? You're a co-founder, so I'm always curious about those journeys. Yeah, so uh, Transfix, we are uh, one of the, uh, if not the original DFM. Myself and my business partner founded the business in 2013. Uh, so we're we're well into our journey here. Uh, we're headquartered in New York City, uh, and one of the things that I'm most excited about is sort of the expansion of the business. You know, way way back when we were talking about how do we make brokerage transactions digital and therefore better. But, you know, at this stage with this with the scale and all the other exciting things we've got going on, it's it's really about the network and the platform and data and and, and larger uh, swaths of value creation now that we've done a pretty good job of digitizing the transactions up front. Um, and why I started the business? Well, man, I'm a lifer. I've been in logistics forever, um, grew up around it. Uh, I thought it was a little silly the way things kind of happened historically. Most people seem cranky most of the time. And uh, I thought technology might provide a, an outlet to, to create a better solution for everybody who touches our business. And that's that's the journey we've been on. So your 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 white paper it leads off or your your digital awesome paper leads off saying that COVID nineteen <laughs> has uh, has wreaked havoc across the U S right it's seventy nine percent of consumers are saying that their spending this year has been less predictable than in previous years and that ultimately means that for all of the carriers out there and the brokers and everyone involved in the supply chain that means that everything's been unpredictable for them as well it's all an interconnected supply yep. chain so what kind of insights have you learned in in doing this research. Yeah, I mean, it, what's interesting to me is is when we we got the, the the results back. One of the things that we sort of looked at and said, "Oh, this in many ways sort of quantitatively confirms a lot of the things that sort of instinctually uh, we and, and probably most everybody else who's sort of been in the in the weeds uh, of, of logistics and transportation this year has seen." You know, sort of sort of the high points are as you were sort of laying them out. Right, consumers are. Um, changing their behavior in ways that are, are pretty dramatically different and, and, and continuing to evolve in a way such that even if we have a handle on them today, it's not necessarily predictive of what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. So there's tremendous volatility on sort of the demand side. Uh, as, and as we sort of all know, that's usually not a good thing for most supply chains. Volatility usually causes problems. And that's sort of what we've seen on the other side is that shippers, uh, by and large, recognize that executing in the environment that we're in with, with different expectations from consumers, but still very high expect expectations is critical, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable doing that because they don't know what's coming down the pipe. So you've got consumers who have very high expectations and changing behaviors and shippers who acknowledge that meeting those expectations is critical, but doing so in this crazy environment we live in is harder than it's ever been. And, and so, again, I don't know that that's necessarily a unique insight, but seeing some of the data around it, you know, 87% of shippers say, you know, they don't, they don't have confidence in their carriers and they're, and they're worried about exactly how it's all going to play out. And then 82% of consumers saying, if there's a delivery delay in my, in my package, it will make me consider whether or not I do business with this brand again. I mean, those, those are significant stakes and uh, nothing we didn't already know, but seeing it in, in real, quantitative relief is is stark and, and something that we're trying to drill home to all everybody so that you know our job is to help and if the more we can provide data to help folks understand what's going on and how they can maybe prepare for that that's a big part of what we see as our job 
Yeah, you know, Drew, I, reading through this thing, I, I, I'm kind of a data geek, kind of data geek wannabe, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just love digging into this stuff. You, you, you and me both, right? Like, it's, it's fun to look at it, but then, you know, the, the real quants are, are a lot smarter than I am, at least, for oh, sure. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I like what they produce. I like to read what they produce and, and dig into it. But, you know, you break it down by the when, where, and what, and it's really interesting to see how the, the buying has, has changed, kind of spread out, right? But then you still have this massive 70, 78% still say very spontaneous. So we don't know when they're going to break the bank and start and start and start buying stuff. But the where and what was really interesting to me when she start getting down into the how I guess the how of the where, right? When people are talking about going to brick and mortar or e-commerce and even going to brick and mortar, they want to see that inventory uh up front before they even go, right? I mean, that's that, that's the world we live in. And as a consumer, I think it's fantastic. But as a retailer or a shipper, I can understand how it's it's like uh, it's like Newman and Seinfeld. Right. The mail never stops. The, the expectations of consumers don't stop. Right. And so, yeah, you, you want to be able to buy online and have it at your house in an hour. You want to be able to go into the store and, and try it on and, and, and touch it. Uh, or you want to be able to, you know, order from your phone and, and, and grab it on your way home, but not go into the store because you're particularly concerned about COVID and you want to do, you know, order online, curbside delivery, or, or one of the other sort of, you know, different fulfillment options that sort of exist between, you know, pure e-com and pure brick and mortar. Um, I, I don't think that that's going to stop, right? I, I think there's a, there's a, a, a sort of arms race going on for the consumer dollar. And, and certainly Amazon and many others have led the way by saying, listen, we're, we're going to use logistics as our weapon and we're going to do whatever we can to make our customers delighted, not only with the product, but the, but the way, as you say, the way in which they receive it. And if you're a retailer, I mean, listen, you, you can say that AWS and other things contribute to Amazon's ability to compete in a way that you might not be able to, but reality is still reality. And, and, and that's clearly the expectations of consumers are going to go up as, you know, buttressed by the, the shippers who are willing to do that. And if you're a shipper, I think you have to make a very clear distinction between what your strategy is going to be. Either you're going to try to fight that battle or you're going to find a a logical way, you know, around it, you know, really strong brand loyalty or something like that, where people will, will sort of, you know, otherwise deal with that. But if you're stuck in the middle, I think it's a really dangerous place to be. And, and increasingly so as, as things continue to evolve. Yeah, I mean, look, the term Black Friday has been completely, uh, like, stepped on, destroyed, stretched out like taffy. Like, I get notifications yeah. <laughs> all day long from Best Buy, Target, Walmart. Today's Black Friday sale. It's like, it's Sunday. It is not Black Friday. The term say, is it Tuesday in July? How is it Black Friday? <laughs> it's Black Friday. What's going on? Well, you know what, though? But, like, a lot of the things on here, like, 55% of people saying they're spread out shopping this year, like, so much of it, it wouldn't make sense in January if we were looking at this report. It makes so much sense now because we've lived through this year, but with only 84% of people surveyed planning to go into a store on Black Friday, are we in danger of not getting good Black Friday fight content on uh, Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I would say that if you consider that to be a danger, then I would say yes, although that may be relatively minimized by the danger of piling people into stampedes at this point in time. Uh, But yeah, I think we might have to, I think we might have to stick with all the other depending on your perspective, amusing content that's out there from 2020. There's, there's been plenty of things to see. So even if it's not people battling in Walmart. 
<laughs> you might see some people battling over wearing or not wearing a mask. That's true. Oh, yeah. But yeah, those fights will be there. Those fights might. You get, you get that and the fight over the HDTV. <laughs> yeah. I thought and, some and of I'll the... I'll tell you what. If, Go if, ahead. If, if, the, if the inventory challenges around the PS5 or the new Xbox get solved, you might actually see some fist fights because those things seem to be so hot that people will risk pandemic and otherwise to get their hands on one, it seems like. Yeah, we covered those two thousand dollars on eBay. I, I was I was smart. I stayed up uh, late on pre order day and I and I got one, so I got one at my house. Don't break in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Happened? Before we let you go, how about the shippers? Right? Is what kind of challenges have been created by the shippers to to fulfill this? You know, you had a couple stats in here. A lot of them in the fifty percent range, talking about supply challenges, volatility, inventory. You just mentioned that with the PS fives um, and capacity as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of it's it's all of the above, right? I mean, you know, we we all know the world we live in. The the we're in some ways the tail, right? Like the 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 demand happens. The, the businesses sell the 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 PS fives or the sneakers or whatever it is, and then it's ultimately the supply chain's job. To, to do it right, and and when you when you win, you don't normally get celebrated, but when you mess it up, everybody knows your name, and that's I mean that's the game we play, and you know historically, I think the reason that volatility created so much problems is because humans were sort of managing everything, and every day it was a massage to make sure that the trucks and the loads lined up, and the minute you started changing too much of that, it it just messed everything up, and people couldn't really process and keep up. I think in the world we live in now, and this is one of the things we talk about constantly. People are very much involved, right? Relationships very much matter. But at that sort of aggregate strategic level, mass, listen, computers can just do more with data than any one human can. And if you have computers sort of, you know, air traffic control, right, monitoring everything, checking constantly, truck to load ratios proactively, where are the trucks, where are the loads, and, and pushing that information to the shippers and frankly to the carriers without them having to ask for it. You make people more aware of what's going on, and then they can make better individual decisions for themselves and their business. It's it's not perfect. It never will be in a volatile world. But the more we make things transparent and, and sort of proactive rather than reactive, the more we reduce friction for everybody and, and the more we create win-win uh, you know, solutions. And so that's... That, that's what we're trying to do. And, and, and frankly, as, you, as we've talking about, this is a trend that's been happening for a long time. I don't think this 2020 has obviously been unprecedented, but I think the biggest outcome is it's really just speeding up things that were already happening. I mean, these, this trend toward consumer expectations was strong long before the pandemic. It's just now it's just been goosed into, into sixth. Yeah, Drew, you know, as your report said, too, only uh, I mean, only 23 percent have the tools and tech needed for success today, meaning 77 percent don't. If people want to get some of those tools from your team or they want to read this uh, holiday report of awesomeness, where do they go? Yeah, come come and have a conversation with us. So our website is transfix.io, and you can find us on you know all the social channels on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we want to be where you guys are, so have the conversation with us. We're we're really open to it. We're we just launched a product on the carrier side, Fleet Planner. We're cool. giving away fleets tools to run their business. We Thanks, need Drew. feedback. So thank you, yeah, thank you very, very much. much for having me, guys. Yeah, have Talk a great Thanksgiving. Life. We appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. brother. Take it easy. All right, we got to go to uh, the flyest guy on 18 wheels now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, right. we're just, we're just okay. moving right through this show. We got to get his perspective from the road. <laughs> yeah. We got to find out uh, We got to find out all sorts of things out of him, how he gets his fashion sense. Let's bring him up. It's a freight bambino. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going, guys? Oh, how you all doing? Oh, looking uh, sharp. Uh, Wearing your nicest uh, Hawaiian. Ow. What's the print on that? You're, I'm a little far away from my screen, so I can't make it out from here. 
Uh, I'm not sure. It has flowers on it, though. That's oh. all about all I know. I'm not. I'm not good with flowers. There's no <laughs> flowers, though. Well, man, where where are you sitting right now? You're in the truck. Where are you parked? I'm in the truck, waiting to unload right now. Just uh, my appointment's at 6:20 p.m. I guess I got here about 12 hours early, so just hanging out now. He need that. He needs that open dock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to hook you up with our boys at Open Dock, man. To help you out with that. Right. Oh, Maybe yeah, for sure. You driving through the holidays? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Well, I don't know about Christmas, but you know, drive through Thanksgiving. I'll try to make it home for Thanksgiving dinner, make mom happy, and then take off again. Hopefully, just I stop mean, for, stop for dinner and move right now. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, we were talking about that. How many drivers are just not going to come off the road because? You know, three thirty mile. Yeah, <laughs> or why if get you're an, running reefer out of Elkridge? Yeah, why get an hours? extra scoop of mashed potatoes or you know bean yeah. casserole when you can get three twenty nine a mile? Yeah, man. Yeah, but when you're riding out there, tell tell me about the worst roads in America as far as you as far as you're concerned. What are the r- worst roads in America? Uh, worst roads in America got to be Michigan for sure. Worst drivers in America though, Iowa. No question oh, about it. Really? really, Iowa by far. Well, why drive? That's all I gotta say. <laughs> like, because to me, like the the scariest place I've ever driven in a uh, developed country was Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so, how does uh, Iowa compare to that? You've been through Atlanta before. Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta's pretty bad. I'll give you that. There's a lot of traffic. It's not pretty, but drivers are trying just trying to go. In Iowa, everybody's kind of at a different pace. So you got a bunch of people that are taking their time lollygagging, and then you got a bunch of people that are hauling ass and trying to get through the day. And so it's kind of a mix. It's a weird mix. Hey, we have uh, you posted on Twitter. So you're not sitting in a ditch right now, are you? Because you posted a picture saying this is still my biggest trucking screw up to date. So much hate. Never trust anyone when they say they have trucks in here all the time. What lesson did you learn um, from your biggest trucking screw up to date? Oh, that was like my first four months of trucking. And I was hauling Christmas trees back then. And yeah, listen to a farmer. And he told me that, oh, we have trucks turn around here all the time. And so, yeah, I listened to him. And I went on in the grass, and 12,000-pound axles sink pretty quick in grass. So yeah, they do. Learn that pretty quick. Learn not to trust them, trust them when they say it's good. I knew it wasn't yeah. good, and he was like, oh, we, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Yeah, yeah we do it all the time, but not like that. <laughs> <laughs> not like we, that, we, yeah. Not that way. <laughs> yeah, so $1,500 they... later. Yeah, I wasn't. Did they bring the trees to you uh, with a helicopter? Uh, yeah, I wish they did. No, they made me, <laughs> they load them by hand in the back of the truck, actually. Oh, so, man. yeah, that's that. That's not a, a big fan rough. of that. Well, so. hey, man, you are you're the flyest guy in freight, right? Has anyone ever walked in on you where you're taking one of your famous rest stop mirror selfies? <laughs> well, I don't take them. Okay, first, I don't take them in the bathrooms. <laughs> I take it in the shower with a locked door. It'd be real weird if I had my foot up on the counter taking a picture just in a public restroom. So, we don't do that. That's kind of unprofessional. <laughs> also, before I throw you over to Michael, Santino Trucking, we got a question from Twitter. A Twitter user said, yeah, I was wondering Santino. if you were going to ask that question. Oh, this God. is the Here we go. I, let, me, let, me, let me buckle up for this one. He gave two. I picked the one that may be easier, although it involves more math. And this is from Santino Trucking Goomba. He says, uh, hey, first time, short time. Can Bambino elaborate on drag coefficiency versus final gear drive in correlation to boost PSI and broker rate compared to automated transmissions and blindside freeway parking? I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) 
Well, according to coefficient and the final drive gear, that's not really my section of expertise. And you talk to Hagen about that. He's all about fuel mileage. I'm just trying to get my job done, basically. So <laughs> talk to him. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it, uh, I, th- I had a pretty good answer to that. If you look further up, I don't remember what I said. I can't pull it up right now. But there was a bunch of big words in there, like perpendicular and parallel <laughs> and stuff. So wow, that's <laughs> all I could come up with. So I don't remember what I said though. The answer is pie. Yeah. It's always pie. Sure, pie. it is. Yeah. It is pie. And speaking of pie, let me pie, ask pie, you this: pumpkin pie this week, uh, pumpkin pie, right? All right, let's let's go that way. So you're walking. Is it socially acceptable to consume food in a supermarket before you pay for it? Uh. If you're at Walmart and they have that popcorn chicken, definitely can eat it while you're shopping. No questions Ooh. about it. Besides that, it's a little, it's a little iffy. A little sketch. So it would. depends on what it is. Yeah, right? I, I mean, there's people who've been arrested for like eating grapes and stuff. What yeah. about um, Jameis Winston? He stole the crab legs. Yeah, well, but he I, stole them. Yeah, he would didn't. Yeah. Them. If he paid for them, might have yeah, been that's different. That's kind of different. I don't think he that's ate them inside yeah. the store. No, that's a different story. He actually <laughs> did shoplift them, so that might have, <laughs> allegedly <laughs> right. Yeah, eating um, a piece of popcorn right. chicken or setting up a boiler and bowling some crab legs. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, well, so you, you're parked right now. What's the sketchiest thing you've seen while either being like a rest stop or waiting for a load? What's the, what's the sketchiest thing you've seen on the road? Uh, you'll see a lot of real sketchy lot lizards. Oh. I mean, there's some of them that are, yeah. You'll see a lot of that. They'll come knock and ask me if you want company. That's fun. I mean, you don't see it as much now. I remember when I was a kid driving with my dad. There was a lot more of that. They'd come knocking at, you know, 3, 4 a.m. It doesn't happen near now, which is a good thing. I feel a lot safer. Every once in a while, especially in, like, Portland, you'll definitely get a few come knocking at your door, especially if you're sitting in the driver's seat. Oh. So. Free and loose over there. Portland, Maine, or Oregon for our viewers? (laughs) Oregon. Oregon. (laughs) I don't have much going on in Portland, Maine. (laughs) Gotcha. So what's what's the worst commercial on radio? Uh... I don't know. Oh, 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 O'Reilly's that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> that one gets annoying. That one just gets stuck in my head, and I hate it. What about Cars for Kids? That one is like that. That's an earworm. It is an earworm. Cars for Kids. K A R S. Cars for Kids. No, that might be more of an East Coast thing. I, I might have not heard that one. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've heard that one where I'm at. So, all right, can't, man. We'll, can't tell you. We're, th- th- those weren't even the stupid questions. Those, we weren't, even the the wheel. those weren't even the dumb questions. Those were the warm All right, we're going to spin this wheel for you, Mr. Bambino. Let's see where this lands. Round and round it goes. Where it lands, nobody knows. Okay, man. Ah, uh, oh, you know, hmm. How do you deal with those? See, he don't have this because you don't drive team trucking, so this might not be the best question. Right, I was going to ask you again, man. how you deal with a roommate who steals your food. We got a great answer out of the supply chain queen on that, but you don't do team <laughs> driving, do you? So you don't really have to worry about a lot no, of food I theft. Don't. No, yeah. not really. I mean. Okay, how about this one? Then? Been... What, what's the weirdest compliment you've ever received? Uh, probably you're the smartest dumb guy I know. Wow. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of backhanded. Kind of, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure how to take it. I'm not sure if it's an insult or a compliment. So. <laughs> that is definitely that is definitely that is definitely backhanded. I want to ask you this, man, and I, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to, I, I asked Dooner about this before the show even started. Are we ever going to find out your real name, bro? What's Ooh. that? Wow. 
Okay. Killed him. Well, we'll bring him back I up. Killed here. our connection with because that question. Because you trashed him his real name. It's a secret identity. I guess it is. Yes. <laughs> it's gone. By the way, Rhonda said she uh, she ate grapes while shopping, and she got in trouble. Her grandmother taught her that. She said she had to pay $150 for to the grocery store, and she only had a couple grapes. So those are some really, really expensive grapes. Wow. Yeah. As opposed to just, hey, ma'am, you're going to have to pay for those. You're going to have to pay for those. Exactly. Wow. Not that, that store owner did not have a sense of humor. No, all. they did not. Uh, <laughs> wow. We're going we're gonna to talk to you, KC3, in a minute, I, I believe so. But let's bring out, let's let's play his video before he oh, comes okay. up. He's going to yeah. play it forward with us. We have a little bit of his video. We'll check it out. I think he did this with his daughters. So let's throw uh, let's throw up that KC3 video. Money, I'm lying about it, but I never get sleep. Busy running these streets. Kicking out noise, don't need no feet or legs. And the game going to change me and spin that bread. So it's spent the worst, but hope for the best. Me and apes or here of the rest. a swing henge in that uh in, in that <laughs> yeah well KC3 he's the president of Ameriton Freight they're trying to connect to him but in the meantime let's talk about swing henge a little bit more how do you build <laughs> how do you build an item like that a lot of people doing quarantine projects right and this thing might carry through next year as we heard there's there's not gonna be enough doses for everybody by the end of December so come springtime some people may have some home improvement projects to do so if one were to decide to build a swing henge what do they need Okay, yeah, well, uh, you need at least a, a little bit of, uh, you know, knowledge of geometry. Okay. Right? <laughs> you have to understand 60-degree and 120-degree uh, angles, <laughs> which, yeah. which makes it a lot easier, a, a lot easier. But, I mean, it's, it's really not that complicated. It really isn't. One, the biggest thing that I really learned was that, you know, those, those posts are going three to four feet in the ground each, depending okay. on the slope, right? You need a laser because the slope of the ground so you can get the height right. But... A two now, man hold on, let me arc. ask you something. When you yeah. dig that deep, when you went three feet deep in your backyard, did you yeah. find anything interesting? Did you, no, did just you hit rocks. a water table? You find any buried pets? No, no just, just rocks. Just rocks. Just rocks. I was looking for uh, Arkansas Moe's money. I thought maybe Ooh. it was there, but it wasn't. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing to learn is this two man augers don't have a reverse. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when you, you did that with an otter? Uh, yeah, with an auger, two-man auger, it's about uh, 12 inches across yeah. and about three and a half, four feet long with a big engine on it, and you're going down, and you're hitting rock in my backyard about every four or five inches, so you're constantly pulling it off. And by the second, third, by the third hole, mm. I was excited it was just going through, right? Yeah. So I just took that thing all the way down. 
and then quickly realized that I just put a 12-inch diameter, four-foot-long steel screw into the ground. Okay. With no way to get it out. <laughs> so did you just have to move the location? Because there's no reverse on that sucker. So how'd you get out? <laughs> well, uh, Dynamite? Digging, so digging and some uh, 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 rebar poking around there to get the thing loosened up. And, and, and my wife and I actually started to get it reversed manually to get yeah. out. But it took a couple hours to get it out. So that's my advice. A couple inches. Get the dirt out. Don't get excited if it goes fast because now you've got a four-foot steel screw stuck in the ground. <laughs> so let me ask you, what, what are this? What are this cost you like? Because you already are your own labor, right? So what do oh, the yeah. parts cost you, and how much time did it take? So it, I mean, it, it took uh, all in all, it took probably about uh, maybe about fifteen to sixteen hours yeah. total over a few weekends, um, and it wasn't that expensive. It's like seven hundred bucks okay. total in yeah. costs. I bought a swing set when I was in when I was in uh, the Boston area, and um, you know it was like twelve hundred dollars for just like a, a wood one, nothing special. Oh yeah, no swing hinge. Yeah, no, I absolutely yeah for like a cedar pre kit that you yeah. got to put together and stuff like that. Yeah, oh yeah, it's much cheaper than that. But I mean, the sweat and labor that went into it was uh, it's worth a few hundred dollars. Yeah. Let me tell you. But hey, I think I it's solid, man. You hit that with a truck, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be paying for damage on your truck. I don't I don't know where I don't <laughs> know where KC three is. Let's talk let's talk turkey. Let's talk about turkeys, All right, right? Let's talk about turkeys. Let's talk about like turkeys, turkeys from a freight perspective. As you sit down for yeah. your traditional Thanksgiving dinner, try to take your mind off work. But if you can't, right, you're gonna be thinking about how that turkey got to your table. And you know, started at a farm, but but it got there. And it yeah. got there in uh, in some reefer trucks, right? And we used to have this um we used to have this graph in Sonar. Believe it or not, in Sonar, there used to be whole frozen turkey prices yes. by the pound for, for the United States. And, you know, turkey prices had started to decline up until last year. They were down about 12% from 2014, where they peaked at $1.84 a pound, to, uh, to last year, where they were at $1.60. Yeah. A dollar and sixty yeah. cents, and now you can spend uh, three ninety nine for a organic uh, uh, animal cruelty certified. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole food ones. Yeah, those yeah. can be uh, those can be quite those can be quite expensive. You know, American farmers will produce around two hundred and forty five million turkeys this year, resulting in a, what approximately ninety eight thousand live turkey loads to be processed through plants and one hundred nine hundred and nine thousand truckloads of reefer freight to distant markets. We have a little look here too at um, at what the top ones are. You want to guess at what number one is of turkey loads? Yeah, we we talked to a guest from there earlier. We d- today. Hmm. North Carolina. Okay. I was going to say Indiana. No, it's North Carolina. We got North Carolina, Arkansas. Uh, we've got Missouri, Virginia, Iowa, California, Pennsylvania. So those are the top markets Indiana's for Indiana's in there too, man. Indiana's in there as well? Indiana, I think it's third. Yeah, Indiana's third, man. Hey, let's talk for a minute here. Space Waves, too. Space Waves coming oh. up. It's a big virtual event, right? Space yeah. Waves is the virtual event presented by Freight Waves on December 3rd. It's going to explore the future of supply chain possibilities in space and how they intersect with new commercial opportunities and advanced rocket technology. Freight Waves just announced our keynote speaker. It's uh, Mark Weiss. He's from uh, the Gateway Program, the Deep Space Logistics Program over at NASA. We mm. met him at one of our, my last live events, one of your last live yeah, events. Right. We were doing uh, What the Trucks, Freightways Insider, some Freightways TV shows at this Air Cargo Club conference down in Nashville. It was, uh, it was an excellent time, actually, my first time in Nashville. And that's where I got to meet Mark Weiss. And uh, Mark, it, it was kind of, it was one of those things where you first talk to him and you're like, Air Cargo Club, why is he keynoting like a NASA guy? And I remember both yeah. of you were like, hmm. But then in talking to him, it became like abundantly clear just how powerful NASA is of an R&D arm of things we use right here on terra firma on Earth. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. The, some of the, the things that have been, uh, that has come out of that program that we use every single day is unbelievable. But their links to logistics and moving forward of what they're doing are unbelievable. That's where we learned about uh, Project Artemis. Yeah, which I, I think we were sworn to secrecy at that time. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if it was that secret. He gave nah, me, he well, gave me it the wasn't pin. that secret. But uh, I mean, yeah. So Artemis. But you know, talk, he's talking about okay, logistics in space. You know, okay, getting the guys up and, and back from the space station. But no, they're looking at mining operations. And they're talking about the legalities of customs to come back in from outer space, right? And what those laws are going to look like and how we're going to play internationally at space barges. And how cool is that? I mean, and then you look at, like, you look at the un- untapped world of uh, asteroids. I was hearing one of the sessions being talked about. I think it was, it was Kevin Hill. I'm not sure he was talking to it, but I was eavesdropping in. He was talking about mining asteroids, which sounds like, uh, like, there's this, there's this app I play called, like, Galaxy on Fire. It's super nerdy. But, yeah. like, you go out and you mine asteroids, and you're always looking for, like, the ones with, like, platinum and gold and all that yeah. stuff. But this is, like, becoming a realistic thing. You talk about augers for putting swing hinge in. They're starting to outfit uh, space mining tools with these things. Yeah, they, they, and they, that's exactly right. Because you asked him, and e- either when we were at lunch there or on an interview when we had him on on the show, yeah, you asked him what was the most realistic space movie, or does he get annoyed by watching state space movies that get it way off? And you asked him what what are the most realistic ones, and what's the one with Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis where they actually mine the asteroid? Oh, um, oh I, what, what they did Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. He said that one was actually fairly realistic. <laughs> you know, that's one of those movies that it's not like the, the script isn't like amazing, but it's a, it's a very good movie at what it's trying yeah. to be. Yeah, well, I mean, his point was we're not going to teach astronauts how to mine these things. We're going to teach miners how to be astronauts. It yeah. would be much easier. Well, let me ask you a question then. Okay, let, why do people in the Star Wars universe think that the <laughs> Jedi are myths, or they use the term, the legends say, when there was an entire branch of government run by Jedi less than 20 years ago in their universe? I, uh, script flaw. Just big plot hole? <laughs> plot big, hole. Big plot, like yeah, using light speed as a weapon? I guess not paying attention. No, what's a big plot hole in The Mandalorian? <laughs> I don't. I don't. So, I don't. Why would you wear a cape if you were a jetpack? Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea. No, it seems. You've terrible. seen The Incredibles, right? Yeah. No capes, darling. <laughs> yeah, no capes, darling. Exactly. <laughs> right. They just get you in trouble. Superheroes do not need capes, and I don't think if you're wearing a jetpack, a cape would be a very good idea. Although you might want it while you're walking around, so it's covered a little bit. Now, this video we have now; these aren't superheroes, but this is uh, from CHP Modesto, and a driver was going around right yesterday afternoon. There's a driver of a sedan. He was in it. Let's play the video. He was inattentive while traveling around northbound SR99 oh. at Kansas. Oh. Yeah, look at that. Duke's oh. a hazard, right? That happened so fast. They aren't meaning no harm. Look at that thing going right over the hill. Well, the sedan left the roadway. It launched several feet in the air. Luckily, the driver, he only sustained minor injuries. You know, and the the CHP Modesto says, remember, hands on the steering wheel and mind on the road. Yeah. Did he do that? Was this like a, hey, hold my beer. I'm going to try something I saw in a cartoon once. I mean, it, it looked exactly like it came out of one. It, it looked like it was intentional. I mean, he hit that thing perfectly. So let me ask you something. Have you ever had a close call like that? Um, no, not like that. Not being launched or anything crazy like that. But I've, I've, you know, I'm from the snow belt and I've had plenty of times driving at night in blizzards where I've realized I'm nowhere near the road. Yeah, I've seen that. Hey, here's here's a guest we're going to have on. There's a guest we're going to have on. I'm glad we have a a little bit of time. Would have been great to talk to KC3. But Truckers Charity delivers hope Mm. to deserving families. TruckersChristmasGroup.org. And like we told you, audience, um, last show, 
We've been reading a bunch of articles on FreightWaves.com, and this this actually started back in May when we read about the St. Chris vs. Trucking Relief right. one. And That's right. One note that was in all of these articles was that all of these trucking charities, these really strong trucking charity groups, have had a lot of trouble raising money because they don't get to go to the real live in-person events. So ever since, um, I've been working with Clarissa Haas to get guest booked from some of these charities. She tends to cover them on Saturdays. So look mm-hmm. out for articles on FreightWaves.com. They're wonderful. One of the ones she has right now is the mission of the Truckers Christmas Group. It's a TCGO. is to provide families some financial assistance to deserving truck drivers and their families who have fallen in hard times because of catastrophic events around Christmas. It's a 5013C charity. You go on there. You can do an application. You can either do one for yourself or people can nominate you. You can do it anonymously. Truckers are very prideful people. They might not want to put their hand out. But if you know someone who's struggling or you yourself are struggling, you know, pride before the fall. So be sure to take advantage of it. And you can get $500 to help pay for your holiday bills. I mean, you don't have to clear it or anything. It's just 500 bucks of free money. I mean, use it to put the, the, the gifts under the tree mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever holiday you happen to celebrate. Um, and here's the cool thing. How do you get over here? It's, it's a volunteer organization. It's yeah. run by truck drivers. We're going to have one of them on the show on Friday on our Black Friday show. And, uh, yeah, he says it right here. Pandemic hinders groups networking goals. CCGO's goal in 2020 was to network with many different businesses and corporate donors at these major truck shows. This did not happen. And uh, Tom Kirkie says, we had tentatively, we had tentative meetings set up with various executives of some companies, but COVID pretty much killed those plans. We're going to try and bring some awareness. It's truckerschristmasgroup.org. Look them up uh, on there. Yeah, do please do it. I mean, it says here almost 90% of the applica- applications to TCGO uh, that they've received uh, come from truckers sidelined from driving because of cancer or other severe health concerns. It also says you can go in there. If you go there, if you don't, you can anonymously nominate somebody. So you know somebody that's in dire straits that needs this kind of thing, nominate them. Go there, donate as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And he, I, when I was speaking to him earlier, I was talking to him and getting him on the show for Friday. They said that article that um, Clarissa had put out, it's already, it's already had driven some more applications for them, some more funding, some more money. A lot of these groups need some help. Don't forget about them around this holiday season. So, yeah. you know, we looked over this survey. We didn't get to every point of it with... Um, with uh, with Transfix, right? Oh, okay. But yeah. there are some other fascinating highlights we can we can get through over here now that we have a little bit of additional time, and those have to do with uh, right can consumer expectations still high, and this is one of the, this is one of the areas mm-hmm. he uh, he highlighted but didn't go too deep on. But it was two out of three say confidence in on time delivery is the number one factor influencing online purchases and online decisions. I'll tell you something. Before the pandemic, for me, that was like super, super huge priority. Yeah. Now I've gotten better about planning that window into there. Yeah. But and, and like being just very hyper aware, because on Amazon, sometimes you'll put something in your cart. It'll say prime on it. But if you don't look close. It'll, it'll say like doesn't ship till December 30. Yeah, if you don't look close. Yeah. But shouldn't they take that badge away? Like the prime badge, if that's the if case. It, yeah, if that's the case, they really should take that away. I think they but should. But I tell you, and, and I agree with you. I'm kind of lax on that a little bit or understanding of what's going on. But I still, if I know somebody else has it. I will go look to see if I can get it somewhere else quicker before I make that decision. So you can lose people really quick. And it says, you know, three out of four expect uh, the brands to find ways to do the same delivery as prior to COVID. So three out of four people are saying, I, I, I don't care. Have you, cha- to me. Have you like this holiday season? Have you diversified your have you changed your habits and your buying behavior at all? No. Yeah, no, so not really. I mean, I, but I was year? I never go to brick and mortar anyways. I yeah. never did. I don't like it. So I, you were most does your wife do the shopping or do you do it? 
for like for, Christmas. For gifts? Yeah. Uh, she generally does it that if it's at, at a store, if she's going to go pick it up, if we're going to get it at a store, she'll go do that. But we do a lot of e-commerce. We always have done a lot of e-commerce. So yeah. we kind of do it together on the computer. But, yeah, I, I was always a Target shopper. <laughs> Not at Target, but, you know, I knew what I was going and where it was in the store. I don't go and shop. Well, here's the big concern, because there's big stakes here, right? There's big there stakes are. for those who don't deliver, right? If they don't deliver, there's a lot of lines. 60% would cancel their orders if de- delays occurred. Now, I'm not sure how you'd do that if it was already, like, delayed and moving in the system. It tends to be harder. You tend to have to be a part of that return cycle. But 76% say delivery delays or cancellations would make them less likely to shop with a brand again in the future. Now, Amazon may be a little bit immune to that because Amazon has built up so much cachet yeah, and go goodwill and over yeah. the time. But uh, if you buy from, uh, I guess, a more, a more traditional retailer you're not as used to buying from, maybe you bought from, uh, I don't even want to use a brand's name, but let's say you bought it, it takes longer, you've received it after Christmas. The likelihood of you buying from them, again, they're saying 76% wouldn't at all. That's how much is at stake here with having the right carriers and the right integrator partners that's shipping things over the holiday season. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you, and like I was saying before, it just 54% would turn to a competitor for a needed product. And that's what I was speaking to. Even though you go on there and you see it, and you know it's going to take two weeks and maybe they can get it in two weeks and that's fine. You're still going to go somewhere else and look to see if you can get it in a week or two days or three days. Yeah. Right. Or go pick it up. And if they can do it better than you can, you just lost a sale. Well, I mean, that's and what like. Gone. You know, we, we, PS5 has come up a lot. It's kind of like the Tickle Me Elmo of, of this year. It's like the hot, hard-to-find item, and that not, not, not to date me, right? That was like 1998 or 1999's <laughs> hot item, Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle but it was, me, like, was it then? Okay. That yeah, was a huge deal. Was... You remember Tickle Me oh, Elmo? Yeah, I it was a, you couldn't get a Tickle Me Elmo. Absolutely. You I remember bu- when the Wii was a big... <laughs> you had to buy one in like a back alley possessed with the spirit of Charles Lee Ray. Oh, wait, that was Chucky. I thought some Chucky. of the other interesting stuff that they had from Transfix here was, was really the, the, the tools and tech, like you mentioned that only 26%, I think, is only 23% have the tools and tech needed for success today. Yeah. But the information that also that highlighted that I wanted to get to whether we ran out of, only 27% have access to real-time inventory data, which is shocking, but not at the same time. When you're talking about like at a Walmart, you don't know what's in that cart and what's not. And if it's in the cart, it's not in your inventory anymore, right? So... Well, and there was the thing, too. 77% admitted they don't have the tools, and respondents say better tech tools. 66% said they would reduce total supply chain costs. Why do these numbers not line up? I don't know. Make them what the, If you know someone like that, make them a what-the-truck listener. We will get them straightened out for you. We mentioned earlier TEDx. I did a, I did a TEDx. It's finally up on YouTube. Look yeah. up uh, TEDx Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R. And let Click. me concur. Thank you for that. For what? Yeah, standing up and being honest and showing people that, hey. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was great. It really well, was. I, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't do anything to keep it to yourself. And no. what inspired me was hearing someone else do something like that. Yeah, the road from I'm sure you addiction. Inspired some, I'm sure you inspired some other people. I hope I did. It's about a road to uh, addiction, recovery, you know, podcasting, uh, using that. Uh, and check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. You can find this show, What the Truck, on your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up What the Truck or look up Freightcast. And you'll get every single Freightways podcast, including what will be on tomorrow, the Midday Market Update. You got to put that coffee down on there. You got full of speed ahead. You got uh, B2B Navigate with uh, Steve Ferreira. He'll be on our Black Friday show. Like I said, Friday, we will be here. We're not taking a day off. Always be hustling. I'll bring in some leftovers. Download that Freightways TV app. Freightways TV app. You can listen. You can watch it on your Amazon Fire, your Apple TV, your Roku. Uh, It's not on PS5 yet. I looked. We'll get it on there. 
We gotta get it on the PS. Hey, oh. thanks for joining us today. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D double O N E R. You can find him at Vincent the Dude or connect with us on LinkedIn. Continue the conversation. Everybody, carve that turkey, cut that meat, and have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you Friday. We will. We'll see you Friday. <laughs>